It's good to see you all. It's good to be here. Amen. After so many years, I'm glad that whatever Philip did, <laughs> the statute of limitations ran out on. So Steve gave us a call and invited us back. He never would tell me what Philip did, but I, I know Philip, so I know he did something. <laughs> oh, yes, he will. And so as long as y'all keep him prayed up, you know, we might be able to come back. He mess up again, and who knows. But I'm just so glad to be here. I appreciate you guys for inviting us out again. and uh, I'm excited. Amen. You all excited? Uh, as Philip said, that this is going to be a great time in the Lord. Amen. And uh, so I just want to take a minute to welcome you to the JV team. It's just I'm, I'm blessed that I get to be the opening act for the irrepressible, the highly anointed, the man of God, Bishop Slaughter. And so you know how they get the small time people to open up for the big time people. I'm the small time people, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, the JV team plays first, and then they roll out the varsity team. I'm the JV team. So uh, y'all get the JV team tonight, but but uh, we warmed it up for Philip. So, uh, so we're just going to go after it tonight. What do you say? Amen. So we thank God tonight for utterance in the spirit. Amen. Amen. That we might speak as of the oracles of God. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Psalm 139. How many of y'all ready? I say, how many of y'all ready? Hallelujah. God, I thank you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is explosive in this place tonight. That the word will come forth in boldness, accuracy, and in power. And in demonstration of the Spirit. We thank you for revelation, the revealed Word of God. Amen. Somebody say revelation. And so in Psalm 139, I want to start here in verse 13. Everybody there? So in Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, it says, For, I have, uh, for you formed my inward parts... You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet. There were none of them. So this verse of scripture gives us some insight into something that, uh, as we understand it, really um, directs our life. It gives us something to pursue. It gives us. It gives us a glimpse of the future that God has for us. So it says here 
in the 16th verse, in your book, they were written the days fashioned before me before there was any of them. So that means that God has a plan for our lives, that there is a book that's written for each one of us. And in that book, God has wrote out our days. He's wrote out the story of our life. And his intention is that we walk that story out. Amen. And so, so God has this plan for us, but I want you to, 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 to put this with 13 through 15. And 13 through 15 talks about how God created us. And when you put how God created us and that when he created us, he, he pinned out the days of our life. What you realize is that when God created us, he created us for purpose. Amen. Somebody say purpose. See, when you create something and then you plan it out, that means you created it for a purpose. Am I right about it? So, so God not only wrote out our days, but he created us in very specific ways so that we would be equipped to fulfill purpose. See, everybody in this room, there's a reason that you were created. There are no accidents. Your mom and dad might not mean for you to be here, but God meant for you to be here. And so what I want you to realize is that there is a plan for your life. And it was written before the foundation of the world. And when God created you, He created you in such a way, he created you and I very specifically so that we would be equipped to fulfill purpose. Y'all with me so far? Now, even a look at creation reveals this fact. So if you look at the way creation was done, God created the water first, then he created the fish. He created the land first, then he created the vegetation. After he created the vegetation, he created the animals. So he, he created things. See, the fish needed water. The vegetation needed land. Y'all following me? The animals needed the vegetation. Then he created us. So if he created the water for the fish, if he created the land for the vegetation, if he created the vegetation for the animals, what did he create you for? He created you for something because that's the way he does things. So he saw, he saw in his plan that he was going to make a fish. So he made water first. You follow what I'm saying? He, he knew in his plan that he would make vegetation, so he made the ground first. What did he see before he made you? He saw something in the earth that needed to be done and in response to that, he created you and I. Purpose. So if you're sitting in this room, you were created for a very specific purpose. Somebody say purpose. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you, you were created for a reason. So the first thing I want to point out is that as I said before, God created us very specifically. 
And I like I liken this to so see it said that that our days were fashioned or were number or written out in this book before there was any of them. Even even before see, before he even created us, he created a plan for our lives. Now it's not a plan that we have to walk in, it's a plan that God calls us to walk in. So so he when he it's, it, I liken it. I liken it to uh, a screenwriter writing a movie. See, when they write a movie, they make very specific characters. Am I right about it? They don't just say there was a guy. <laughs> they design characters with a specific look, with a specific skill set, with a specific set of abilities with a specific occupation, all designed to advance the plot. And that's the way God created you and I. He created us very specifically. So, so let's go back here and, uh, to, well, you all still there. I got to go back to 139, and I want to I pull a few things out of here. So, so what, I'm, what I'm telling you is that you weren't just created. You were designed. And what I mean by that is, Pastor Steve drives a truck. What kind of truck is it? GMC what? Sierra. So if you look at his truck and you go and you look at a car, next to it you see they're made very differently. Right? Why are they made differently? Because they have different purposes. So when you create a truck, you create it with uh, a more built-up suspension. It's got a more torque in the engine. It's got uh, a certain type of body frame because it's designed to, to haul things and to go off-road. But if you take a car, what's another GMC? What's a GMC car? Okay, Chevy. A chef. So let's take a cruise. Chevy Cruise. It's made very differently from the GMC truck. Why? Because it's got a different purpose. And so God makes us in different ways, and it allows us and equips us to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. You following me so far? So, so let's look at this. So it says this in verse 13. You formed my inward parts. And then you covered me in my mother's womb. So we got two things happening here. And then it says, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of y'all, when y'all look in the mirror, you, you, you understand? I, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, Lord. If don't nobody else know what I know, marvelous are your works, Lord. Because we were designed. So when somebody like Steve looks at a truck and then he gets all the information on the towing capacity and all of that stuff, he marvels at it because he understands the purpose that the truck was created for. So when you understand your purpose, then and only then can you really appreciate how marvelously you were designed. 
Now, I want to tell you about these, this word marvelous and this word wonderful. The word marvelous in the Greek is a Greek word, and it means, I'm sorry, fearfully. It means reverently and awe-inspiring. Awe-inspiring. So God created us to inspire awe in people. Now, we will inspire awe in people when we start to walk out our purpose. Then people will be in awe of us because we will be doing something in a way that is unparalleled because we were designed to do it. And so, so other people can try it, but if they weren't designed for it, they can't do it like you and I can do it. And so when we do it, it inspires all. Now, I'm a sports guy, and so when I look at one of my favorite players uh, in the NBA, Stephen Curry, when you watch him shoot, it's awe-inspiring. This man, I read an article uh, that during practice, he made 93 out of 100 three-pointers and hit 77 in a row. All inspiring. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is doing that, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. So we were created to inspire all, and the challenge for us is to find the thing that we were created to do so that we'll inspire all in people. And the reason why many people are not inspiring all is because they're not doing what they were designed to do. But if we find it, we'll be great. See, when you do what you're designed to do, you, you're great at it effortlessly because you're, because you're designed for it. You've been built for it. You take a car and have it try to have a car that Chevy Cruze towed 4,000 pounds. <laughs> but you take that same 4,000 and you have a truck, a truck tow it, it's effortless because it was built for it. Y'all following me? So now, the word wonderfully is a word that means distinguished. How many of y'all know y'all distinguished? Distinguished means that you stand out. And like the word fearfully, awe-inspiring, if we walk in our purpose, we'll stand out. People will look at you doing what you do and you will stand out because you were built to do it. Now, I want to show you something here. Turn over to, well, before we go, so my, now back in 13, uh, back at verse 13 of Psalm 139. It says this, you formed my inward parts and then you covered me in my mother's womb. So two things are happening here. 
You formed my inward parts. That's when he created the inward man. That's when he created the real you. And then he covered the real you with a physical body. You follow what I'm saying? You know you, you, there's an inward man and there's an outward man. So turn to Ezekiel, the 28th chapter. And so in Ezekiel 28, the, uh, the prophet Ezekiel gives a word to the prince of Tyre, who is the, the, the natural ruler of Tyre. And then in verse 6, he gives him a word. I'm sorry, uh, in verse 11, he gives him a word for the king of Tyre. And uh, because I know you all go, are here at Zoe, I know Steve has taught you this because he is a teacher par excellence. So you know that this, starting at verse 12, he's talking about Satan, right? So listen to what it says. And I want to pull something out of this that will bless you. He says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, in verse 12, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. Now get this. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared in you the day you were created. Now follow me. Satan is a spirit being, right? It says that when God created him, he built in him timbrels and pipes. So when God created us, he built... So, so when he's creating Satan and you and I, he builds things. These aren't accessories. We're built. We're built with things. These musical instruments were created in him. They, when, when God built them, he just he put them there. So when God built us, he just he put stuff there that his intention was that we use to impact the world. So when God created uh, back over in 120, uh, 139, when it says you form my inward parts, that's when he built the inward, you and I. Yeah. And he built us with these, these things that are called gifts. So he builds in us these gifts. And again, the purpose of the gifts is to equip us to fulfill our purpose. So these are not ancillary things they're not accessories they're something that they're just built they're just built in us which is why it's effortless because we're built for it he he just built us and he put gifts in there y'all following me so so i want to i want to i want to tell you two different ways that he built us that enable us to fulfill purpose y'all listening so the first is the, these gifts that we just referred to. So, in the New Testament, the word gifts is an interesting word. It's a word, the, the Greek word is charisma. Did y'all know that? 
See, we think charisma, only certain people have charisma. We all have charisma. The difference is some people have figured out what their charisma is, and then they're walking in it, and then we say, oh, they, they have charisma. But see, we all have charisma, a gift, that some, something that got built inside of us, that if we walk in it, people recognize it. People recognize it, and it impacts people in such a way that it changes their lives. So, so everybody has, so, 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 so don't think you don't have charisma. Don't think you don't have it. And you, you, tell, you look at people, oh yeah, he's got it. You got it too. You just maybe haven't figured out what it is, but you have it. Tell your neighbor, you got it. You got it. You got it. Now, the Greek, the definition of this word charisma is interesting. It is a divine gratuity, a spiritual endowment. See, I said it's something that's built on the inside of you. It's, it's a religious qualification. It qualifies you. It's a miraculous faculty. So when we walk in our purpose, we're walking in a miraculous faculty. In other words, we can get results that everybody can't get. We can produce things that everybody can't produce because I'm working with a miraculous faculty. And, and we need to understand that there's a difference between skills and gifts. And sometimes we get that confused because, because we were created in the image and likeness of God. We've all got skills. We're good at a lot of stuff. But there are certain things that we're great at. And so I'm not settling for good. I'm going for great. Which means I need to be able to distinguish a skill from a gift. Some people settle for working in a skill. And their gift is trapped on the inside of them, dying. So there's this, 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 so here, this will help you. I confused skill with gift. So I'm an athletic person. I'm just, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, <laughs> bless him. I'm, I'm just, you. any sport I can play. Any sport. And so when I was a kid, I went through these these sports stages. First, I played baseball. And I said, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Then I started playing football. And I said, I'm going to be a professional football player. Then I started playing basketball. Now I'm going to the NBA. (laughs) Then I started playing golf. I'm going to be a professional golfer. See, I was good enough in all of them to entertain the idea. But what I realized once I got born again and started understanding what God created me for, here's what I realized. That my athletic ability was not a gift. It was merely a skill. It was a genetic skill. It's my family's athletic. 
So it's a genetic skill. But what I realized as I looked back is my gift was always there trying to reveal itself. And here was my gift. Here's what I found. Every step of the way, at 10 years old, I'm playing baseball. And there's this guy that's playing second base, and he can't catch a pop fly to save his life. And the ball would go up, and he's patting all on his glove. And boom. <laughs> So at 10 years old, something compelled me to go over to this kid and show him how to catch the ball. 10. Then when I got to be a teenager, I started, and I was playing basketball, I started training people. Basketball. I, there was this one guy that I, I got real cool with, and uh, he, was, he was just he was pitiful, right? So I'm going to help you be unpitiful. So I started working with him. We started training. And one day, we were training, and he, said, he stopped and he said to me, how is it that you can just see things that, that I'm doing wrong and then tell me how to fix it? I said, I don't know. But I did recognize I can just, I just see it. It was, it was easy for me to see. Then when I got in college, my freshman year back home from college, I organized a basketball camp for kids in the neighborhood. We had about 20-something kids, and we had a schedule, get up at 7 o'clock, make up your bed, meet us at this place, Then we took them to the park, and we had them run, and then we had them do drills. We did all this stuff. I, I, just, just, I just did it. Then when I was an adult and I started playing golf, I just felt compelled to help people with their swing. There's a guy that I played with, and he didn't, he didn't ask me to do this. I videotaped his swing. I'm not lying. Took it home, pulled it up on my computer, did frames, still frames on different aspects of his swing, and then I drew lines where his arm and his leg and everything was supposed to be, and I sent it to him. He didn't ask me. So what was, what, see, here's the thing. The interest may change, but the gift is constantly trying to emerge. The gift was God created me to be a teacher. And it was emerging every step of the way. I just didn't know God, so I couldn't figure it out. So I'm thinking these skills are my gift. But then I realized my gift is always showing up, trying to push itself out so that I can fulfill my purpose. It's sort of like Joseph. Now, remember when Joseph wound up in Egypt and he wound up in Potiphar's house, the Bible says in Genesis that Potiphar gave him the run of the house. It said Potiphar didn't look to anything that was under his hand. So then he winds up in prison and the Bible says that he wound up, the warden left everything in his hands. So now he's in prison and he's running things. Then he gets out of prison, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and the Bible says that Pharaoh said, you run everything. So his gift was showing up everywhere. And if you weren't careful, you would say, oh, he's, uh, his, his purpose is to, 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 to be a house manager. No, his purpose is to be a warden. See, those are skills, but his gift is to administrate. And to lead nations. 
So that's what God built into him. And teaching is what God built into me. So when you do it, you're great. So what that means for us is that all of us have something that we're great at. Something that we are great at. I was talking to my brother right here and he told me that when he was 13 years old, 13 years old, he was over every choir in his church. Not just the youth choir, the women's choir, the men's choir, the adult choir. This little 13-year-old. Because, see, listen, when you flow in your gift, people will follow you. People will follow you. They will respond to you because they see you're gifted. It causes people, it, it, it galvanizes people, and it causes people to say, I'm supporting that. So what is it that you're gifted at? Don't settle for skill. And one of the things that, that we as parents, I tell our people this, I say, listen, if it if at all possible, don't send your kids off to college without knowing what their gift is. Why? Because perhaps their gift is over here and they go to school and they take this over here. So now they're wasting time, they're wasting money to develop a skill when their gift is being neglected. So, so we have a ministry full of young people. I'm talking about high schoolers that are coming to me and they're talking about purpose. What is my, I'm, I'm trying, I'm asking God about my purpose. I'm asking God, what did he create me for? Because they don't want to waste time and money. Some kids, some kids, what their gift is doesn't need college. I'm sorry, parents, that's true. I know this guy that he's been trying to go to college for 15 years and he just keeps flunking out. It's not where he needs to be. So when we walk in our gift and we're walking toward our purpose, we excel. How many want to excel? You can do good. You can get by with doing good. But who wants to excel? I want to be the greatest person in the room. When people see me doing what I'm supposed to do, they will recognize it and they will respond to it. And you will impact the world. Y'all following me? Gifts. Somebody say gifts. Charisma. Charisma. You got charisma. You got charisma. Now, the other thing that God does when he creates us is I call it we're wired certain ways now every way you wired ain't God alright so when you snap and you cuss your that ain't God wiring so don't even try to claim that but there are ways that we are wired and we're wired that way intentionally because we need to be wired that way to fulfill our purpose I'll give you an example I'm a mercy guy right I see people and I, and I see what they could be in Christ. 
Well, when you're in ministry, you need that. You need to be able to look past where a person is and see where they can be and what they can be. My wife, for those of you who all don't know, my wife is an attorney. She uh, is a prosecutor. So her job is to put people in jail. She's not a mercy person. <laughs> but she doesn't, she doesn't need to be. See, while I in ministry need to see what a person can be, she needs to see what a person is and say, uh, we're going to sit you in a jail cell until I start to see what you can be. <laughs> so she's wired that way. I remember she was really feeling kind of bad one day. She came home from work and she was in court and, uh, and there was a guy there, older guy, who had, he had committed murder and he was convicted and they were coming back for his sentencing. So the guy came in, he, they wheeled him in and he, you know, he's coughing and just, just looking terrible. And his attorney said, Judge, we would like to delay the sentencing. My, can't, my, my client has cancer. He's dying. So we want to delay the sentencing. He doesn't have long to live. Uh, so we're asking to delay the sentencing. So my wife gets up and she objects. Your Honor, we don't do that. It's, it's not even legal to do that. We cannot postpone sentencing. It doesn't matter. He, create, he, he, he committed this crime while he was, he was sick. So we need to go ahead, sentence him, and send him to jail. And so people in the courtroom were just looking at her like, lady, what's wrong with you? The man is about to cough up a lung. And he was just, you know, he was just, and she was, and this is the way she termed it. He was just playing it all up. You know? <laughs> and so the court people are just looking like, so the judge went on ahead and said, we're going to delay the sentencing. So my wife comes home and she told, and so she, she went back to her office and she's telling her, her colleagues about this. How? Because she's upset. She's hot. And they're all looking at her like, what's wrong with you? The man is dying. What is it? So she came home like, is there something wrong with me? I mean, I don't feel like he should have, we should have sentenced him. So they let this man out. And do you know that weekend that man killed somebody? There was nothing wrong with her. She was equipped with what she needed. See, she can see truth. She can see truth in a way that I can't even because I'm clouded by mercy. And so she'll say, you know, we'll be talking about a situation. She'll say, that's X, Y, and Z. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. I have learned it's X, Y, and Z. I've seen it so many times where she called it just like it was, but she needs that to be a prosecutor. You have to be able to see truth and justice. So she's wired that way. And so sometimes we're wired the way we are because we've been created for what we've been created for. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, I, I remember uh, my wife was, uh, we were sitting there talking and she gets annoyed because my brother and I, we sit around and we talk. And we kind of get hung up on words. Right? No, you said this word. And he's like, yeah, that's what I said. I said, well, now this word means this. 
And then we arguing back and forth about she just get up and leave. She like, this is just ridiculous. What different? You know what he means. But you see, for a teacher, words are very important. I'm not, I can't, I cannot help but to do that when, when, about words. I need to clarify what you're saying. I need you to understand what I'm saying. I'm wired that way. It annoys her. I'm just wired that way. Words matter to me. I was talking to a friend of mine. This was a guy that knew me when I was a teenager. And uh, we were talking on the phone, and he said, he said, uh, he asked me something, and I, I paused before I answered him. And he said, I remember you used to do that. I would ask you something, and it would take you some time to answer me. And I would get frustrated, and I would say, why, don't, why do you always take so long to answer? And he said, you said to me, because I want to think about what I say before I say it. And he said, I never forgot that. I, I, I never forgot that about you. And so I said to him, well, maybe that's because I said the wrong thing so much <laughs> that I learned you need to think about what you're saying. He said to me, no, we were teenagers and you did that. I was built that way. I was just, I'm wired that way because... To be somebody that teaches the word of God, you need to be precise. So God gifts us with certain things, and then he wires us certain ways, and those two things gives us cues and clues to our purpose. And so, and so the challenge for us is to, to, to start to... Figure out how am I wired, what's a skill and what's a gift, and begin to, to try to figure out what am I here for. Because if we don't figure it out, we live a life of discontentment. See, purpose is something that God built into us. And so it's always on the inside of us trying to get out. So if we're not walking in purpose, it's down there and it's trying to get out. And so there's always going to be something on the inside of us that, that no matter how much, how much fame we might have or how much success we might have, something's not going to feel right because purpose is trapped and it's trying to get out. This is why entertainers... Are, are some of the most miserable people on the earth. They're successful, and so let's take singers. They figured out, those who are gifted, they figured out their gift, but they think their gift is their purpose, and your gift is not your purpose. Your gift equips you for your purpose. And so they're out there, and they're singing, and they're successful, and they're they're they're. Uh, on the stage, they're in front of people, and they go home and they're miserable because purpose is still trapped on the inside of them. You follow what I'm saying? And so until we figure out purpose or until we're at least on the road to purpose, nothing we do will satisfy us because there's greatness on the inside of us being smothered and stamped out. And your spirit's never going to be okay with that. You follow what I'm saying? 
And so I want to challenge us tonight to to begin, if you haven't already, to begin to figure out why am I here? What great thing is on the inside of me that the world needs? God created me. Listen, creation is a response to a need. There was something in the earth that needed to be done, and so he created you and you and you and you and you. So what is it that God saw in the earth that needed to be done that I am the solution to? What problem was I put here to solve? How are we gifted? How are we wired? Am I, am, I, am I walking out of skill or am I walking out of gifting? And if I'm walking out of skill, I need to find my gift so that I can get to my purpose, so that I can bless humanity. Amen? I'm done. Somebody say, I was designed for a purpose. purpose. Now look at your neighbor and tell him, you were designed for a purpose. purpose. Now look him square in the eye, point at him, tell him, be great. Glory to God.